Heavenly Father, thank you that we can gather and sing and celebrate and rejoice and be glad and give you glory because you've let us know how the story ends. We can gather as a group of people who know how it turns out, and we look forward to that day, Jesus, when you come back and when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that you're Lord to the glory of God the Father. We look forward to that day when the kingdom of this world becomes yours and you reign in righteousness. Until that day, would you fill us with your spirit every day that we might proclaim, Jesus, you crucified, buried, and resurrected, that that central truth might bring new life to a nation that's turned from you. And so this morning, we confess we have a lot of needs, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. Would you give us grace to be faithful to lay that down? Father, I pray that you, through your spirit, through your word, would meet with us this morning, that our eyes might be lifted up, Jesus, to see you high and exalted. And so I pray that you would, Father, that you'd fill me with your spirit, that I might be able to serve and shepherd, feed and care for your sheep this morning. Would you help me take up my cross, follow you? And would you grow in me and ripen that fruit of love and joy and peace and patience that I might look more like your son? So we give this time to you, asking you to use it for our good, for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Welcome to Hillside. Super, super glad that you're here. I can't see you all over there. Move that. All right, we'll try that. Got you over there. Got it. Guests, visitors, newcomers, first-timers, we are absolutely delighted that you're here. This is Hillside. Um, We know it's a little cramped, uh, but we we really are delighted that you're here. At Hillside, I'll make the whole thing simple. We believe that Jesus changes everything, and I'm going to seek to preach Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected to you this morning. I'm going to encourage you to go to Jesus, put your faith in Jesus, and receive new life from Jesus. Because with all the problems in this world, and there are a lot, there's one answer. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the hope of the world. And so we are delighted that you're here. I just wanted all my cards up front so you know what's coming. Uh, For for long-term people who are here, so glad that you're here too. I love you. But I really, I love the, the, the non-believers, the people who just show up and stumble in and smell like smoke. You're in the right place. Uh, Jesus changes everything, and he changes everything by starting with us individually. He changes us from the inside out. This is what the gospel, the gospel means good news, and it is what the good news is. It, it's the power of God unto salvation. It changes you from the inside out. So my name's Dave. Uh, I'm a, a new creature in Christ. I have new life in Christ, and I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic saved by grace. And the power of the gospel has and is changing me. And I've prayed for you this week that it would change you as well. Sorry, I got a cricket on my right side. Anybody hear a cricket? Okay. I don't think it's a cricket. Somebody, we got a leg shaker. Anyway, doesn't matter. Squirrel. It happens. And I didn't even, I only had one cup of coffee. This is me on a good day. Uh, 
So we're starting out, kicking off a brand new series. We're walking through Galatians. The Galatians is, I mean, if I just walk through the X's and O's, Romans is the gospel on offense. Galatians is the gospel on defense. How do we, how do we defend the gospel? And that's what Paul does in Galatians. Now, here's why I'm doing it. Uh, if you want to know what keeps me up at night, when I see the studies and the surveys and the research that comes back as they study Christians in America... I put that in quotation. Do you know gospel awareness, Bible literacy is down to like 8% in America. It's astounding. That's for people we call Christians. They open up the Bible and they're like, yeah, I don't know. Gospel literacy is down into like the 4% area. That is, if I ask, hey, what is the gospel? Only 4% of us would be able to say, The gospel, the good news is that Christ died for us, and that takes care of my past. That Christ was buried, Christ rose again, that takes care of my future. He has cleaned my past, he's secured my future, and if if all of my failures are removed and my future is fantastic, guess what I have right now in this moment? Peace. Like, that's good news. And if Christians don't understand that, if we don't know that, We can't hand it off to our kids. And if our kids don't know that, we've lost another generation. And the gospel kind of gets put into this blender of nonsense where it's lost in all of this crazy stuff that we focus on. Like, oh, do you speak in tongues? Have you been baptized? How deep have you been baptized? Which denomination do you go to? You understand my addict and alcoholic friends, when we talk about Baptist or Presbyterian or Methodist or Lutheran, they don't even know what we're talking about. Like, it's nonsense. Like, is that a religion? Like, do they hang out with Buddha? It doesn't mean anything, and that's where we've come to. So we're going to look at Galatians. Open up your Bibles. I've prayed that I'm going to give an account for your souls, and I want you to know Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected. So when somebody says, do you know you're going to heaven? I say, absolutely, because Christ was crucified for my sin. He was buried. He rose again. He defeated death. He expiated. He removed my sin. He gave me his righteousness. I now have eternal life, not because of anything I've done, but because of everything that Jesus did that he gave to me by grace through faith. I just want you to dream about those things. I want you to wake up and just be spouting your wife, be like, good morning. And you'd be like, I was saved by grace through faith in Christ. He was crucified, buried, resurrected. Like, I want it to be, I want it to be in, your, in your veins so that when you bleed, you bleed the gospel. Because I can teach you a whole bunch of things, but if we miss Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected, we've missed everything, and nothing else matters. Let me read it. It starts out this way. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, God says, Paul writes this, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me, to the church, the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, 
which is not really another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed or damned. As we've said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you've received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please, please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So let's jump in. We probably won't get through all 10 verses. There's just so much here, but I do want to enjoy it with you. If I give you a huge theological perspective on this, that is, if we just begin by looking at God, who God is, and if you read from Genesis chapter 1 and took the 43-plus hours to read straight through to Revelation 22, one of the big character attributes, one of the most delightful character attributes of God that you would see is this. God is good, and he does good, and he gives good gifts, and he works all things bad towards good for those who love him, and he, God Almighty, eternally existent, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has given us good news. Now, that matters because that good news, the gospel, good news is gospel, that good news is the power of God unto salvation, that as you imbibe it, as Christ dwells in you richly, that good news will grow you in love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And you will shine as a light because Christ will be flowing through you. That's what the good news does. Now, there's a small theological picture. Don't miss it. If you read straight from Genesis chapter 3, that's when sin entered into the world, clear through to Revelation 22. Sin is always bad news. It has no good news. In fact, our world is called this present evil age. And if you get your news from anywhere in this world, guess what kind of news you're getting? It's bad news. And in fact, now we carry around devices with us that alert us of all the bad news. So we get a constant diet of bad news all the time. Now, here's how I know it. Because bad news, it, it changes us inside and we become anxious, panicked, fearful, stressed, and worried. And do you know when they studied our society, we are the most anxious, panicked, fearful, stressed, worried, indebted, obese, over-medicated, depressed people who have ever been. Amen. That's good. Preach that. No, I'm saying where you, what you're imbibing is it is discipling you, right? And it's doing a great job because we're like, how you doing? Not good. It's World War III. Do you know how many news reports I've gotten that it's World War III in the last month and a half? Every time Biden sneezes, it's like, everybody, oh, 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 go buy water. And I don't even know what that'll do for me. <laughs> right? It was the same at Y2K. It's the end. Go buy water. It's like, ah, okay, I still got water left over from Y2K. Right? It tastes like plastic now. It's like, well, throw that out. Get new water. This is the world we're living in. Now, here's the gospel, the good news. This book tells us did we just go dark? Yeah, preach anyway. Listen, here's the good news. 
This world is crazy. It is going to hell in a handbasket. The Bible's told us this. Things are going to proceed from bad to worse. And God so loved this world that he sent one from outside of this world into this world who would live a life without sin, die as a substitute and sacrifice in our place, be buried and rise again. And this is the central message the church has been charged with preaching. But now too many churches are filled with good advice and not good news. A lot of good advice. Here's some good advice. Spend less than you make. That's good advice. Dave Ramsey, that junk. Snowball it. And you'll die rich. And guess what? Some will die poor. Some will die rich. You're still dead. I don't care if you snowballed it or not. That's good advice. It's not good news. Here's, here's some good advice from the New England Journal of Medicine. Work out three to five times a week. You'll be skinny. You have a great heart rate, great blood pressure. Do you know what happens to skinny people with great heart rates and good blood pressure? They still die. Yeah, without Cheetos or gummy worms. That sounds, that's good advice, not good. I don't want to give you three steps to better finances. Listen, you can get online. I want to give you good news that God loves you and sent his son. Now, as we walk through this, you're going to see Paul's going to point out the filter. His message did not come from man. It's not man's ideas about God. That's speculation. That's philosophy. It's trash. Paul says, my words come from God. And you, all of us have to filter the information we're getting. Paul's going to show us how to filter it. Then he's going to say what your filtering forms you. If you're not filtering, that's going to form you. And I'll show you what he says. It literally begins to form you inside. And then he's going to look at the foes and say, these guys are bad cats. If anybody is coming, disturbing, distorting, distracting, or getting you to desert the gospel, they should be accursed. That literally, it's the, he, Paul's cussing. He's cursing. They should be separated from God. He, Paul's, he's fired up. He's ticked off. Amen? Let's enjoy it. we got 17 minutes. There's no way I'm going to finish this on time for the glory of God. Here we go. Watch. We'll see, just start with verse 1. Watch the prepositions he uses here. It pops out in the Greek because he uses it twice. I'll show it to you in the English. Paul, an apostle. Now, the false teachers were saying Paul's not a real apostle. He's a people pleaser. He's changing the message wherever he goes. So Paul starts out in a way that no other epistle in the New Testament starts out. Paul, an apostle. N no, but it's, I'm not sent from men and I'm not a people pleaser. So he starts out, watch what he says. Not sent from them, nor... Here's your preposition. Now, do you know when you're filtering something, you've got to push water through the filter? So he says, my message is not coming. I'm not sent by, nor does my message come through the wisdom of men. He says, it wasn't sent through the agency of man, but, and here's the preposition again. He wants you to know this message came down from heaven. His apostleship came. These are not man's ideas about God. Because we all know nothing about God, literally. And that's why in postmodernism, it's like, well, here's what I think. I don't care. I, legitimately, and I know that, well, that is so offensive. So uh, I don't want you to care what I think either. I've lost my mind before and thought I was a spider. <laughs> True story. Not going to tell you how I got there. 
because we got kids praying. I don't want you to care what I think. My thoughts about God, your thoughts about God, those are from the agency of men. We know nothing. This message came through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So Paul is saying this, every message that comes to you is filtered through something or someone. If you're watching CBS, NBC, Fox, uh, Politico, Breitbart, you're getting your information. And if it's coming through men, it is going to mess you up. It's man's ideas about where we came from, why we're here, what the problem is, and what the solution is. It is not helpful. Uh, that's why Paul is saying, you, your, your information has to come through something better. It has to be filtered, which makes sense to me. That's what the preposition uh, through means. Now, you're Americans, so you filter everything. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. You will filter the daylight. You'll filter your water so much that it's not even water anymore. <laughs> Legitimately, you have whole home filters, 3M home filters, big ones. Then you've got RO units. We don't even know what you're reversing the osmosis. I don't know, but there's six filters in there. It filters, every, we'll filter our water like crazy. Then you'll filter the filtered water. Get your Brita in there. We filter our air. How many of you check your air filters? Three of you. That's probably why we have allergy problems in South <laughs> Texas. That all makes sense to me now. We'll filter our air with MERV 14 HEPA air filters. Oh, you get it. We just made it through COVID. Some of you wore masks on top of masks, on top of masks. You were filtering it. It's not, not funny to some of you yet. Huh? You're like, too soon. Too, no. No, that's not okay. The point is, we'll filter our computers. We'll get McAfee on there. We filter everything but our minds. It's astounding to me. We won't filter the most important central organ. And Paul says, if you're not filtering it through the greatest mind filter in the world, you, with no filter, you're going to have funk buildup. And many of you have funk buildup today. It's why you come in with anxiety, panic, fear, stress, and worry. Uh, nothing's good. It's all bad. I say, why? Well, I was watching the news Sunday morning before I got here. And I just looked it up too. Another border crisis. Apparently, we're about to have World War III on multiple fronts. And I felt it. All of a sudden, it's like, it's all bad. It's all bad. If you actually filter it through the word of God, it changes because the world says, it's all bad. And then I filter it through the word of God. And he says, I'm working all bad together for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purposes. You're like, well, I know, but it's all bad because there's toxins and I'm going to die. <sighs> well, it's kind of true. You are going to die. But what the Bible says, when I filter it through, Paul actually says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, but Dave, it's all bad. Russia's going to take over. And Putin, he's just bad. 
Yeah, but then I filter it through the word of God, and apparently Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords, and every king's heart is like channels of water in Jesus' hands. He rules over it all. He reigns over it all. Why are you freaking out? Because you're not filtering it through the word of God and finding truth and good news. You're filtering it through the world and getting bad news and freaking out. So number one, if you've got no filter in place, you're going to have funk buildup. Nobody's writing that down. That seems brilliant to me. (laughs) Seems really smart. No? No filter funk. So go home, and when you're freaking out, you feel it. (sighs) Say, well, what am I filtering it through? You see, here's here's the beauty. Watch it. Let me clear this out and go to verse 2. Uh, I'm going to go two and three. He says, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, he was writing to a region of churches. He had planted multiple churches like in Bear County. He was talking to a whole region and these false teachers had come in and perverted it. Now, verse three, if I am filtering my information through the word of God, I'm always, always, always going to get gospel or good news. Here's what's going to come to you as you filter it through the word of God. This is why it's so important to understand the holistic narrative and story of the scriptures, and you get to filter it through there. Because when you filter it through there, and I'm going to need your help on this, I'm losing my voice. As you filter it through, the first thing you're perpetually and always going to get from the scriptures is, all right, 12 of you said it. Say it like you mean it. The first thing you're always going to get is, now this, do you understand what grace is? If, if we just, if I were teaching it to kids, we would call it technically undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor with God. That's an adult definition. Do you know because of what Jesus Christ has done, that he was crucified, buried, and resurrected, when you place your faith in him, Jesus takes all of your sin, gives you all of his righteousness. It's the greatest exchange that's ever happened. And when that happens, God is absolutely delighted in you. He's given you everything. Only one person likes that. I wish, I wish I, when I was a child, seven years old, I had my first experience with grace and it changed me forever. You see, I woke up and I had two brothers and we would get up and our parents would give us 25 cents allowance. And it was, it was, I mean, 70s, early 80s. I had my Schwinn bike, long banana seat. Anyway, you're with me. It was a great time. And In the 70s and 80s, your parents would say, have a good day, we'll see you later. And you could just go, even at seven years old. So uh, we would ride down to this store called the Candy Apple, and one day we rode down there, and we went there every Saturday, so the store owner knew us, and we walked in on this Saturday, it was a day that would change everything for me. And the candy owner said, the candy store owner of the Candy Apple said, Tooker Boys, today is your day. Somebody's come in and paid a large amount of money, and everything here is yours. No, do you not feel that? I mean, as a seven-year-old, and I loved sugar a little too much. I should have known there was an issue inside with addiction. But but I didn't. So I just, I mean, and that feeling of it's all mine. The raw candy that I could never afford, it's all mine. All the Tootsie Rolls, all mine. Fudge, mine, bubblegum, bubblegum balls, all mine. I walked out of there. It was the best day ever. Do you know 
Grace is God saying, everything that's mine is yours. Luke 12, 32, fear not, little flock. My Father in heaven has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom, your heirs. In Christ, everything that Jesus earned is yours. It's all yours, and that's grace. That's yours in Christ. So all eternity is awesome because you, when God looks at you, he sees his son Jesus and he says, I delight in you. I delight, that matters. Now, not only grace, grace leads to something because he gives you grace and, say it like you mean it, peace. Peace. What grace actually leads to is peace. Now, peace, irene, it's not the absence of conflict because you're never going to have that in this world. You're not. This world's a mess and there's always going to be conflict. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of wholeness, completeness. Where you wake up, it is the cricket. Or is that a phone ringer? Doesn't matter. Stay on target, Red Leader. It's a quote from Star Wars. Grace always leads to... Red pin... Grace leads to peace, and peace is that idea, that concept of wholeness. I'm lacking nothing. I'm complete in Christ. It means somebody is watching out over me. Somebody's guarding me, um, caring for me. This matters. There was a day I got a call. It was an odd call. It was first time I'd ever call, uh, received a call like this that said, uh, I'm going to kill you. You guys ever gotten that call on a Monday morning? That's a bad Monday morning. So I did what I do. I'm like, yeah, block that number, right? Because that's what you do when somebody's going to kill you. <laughs> what would you do? I, I don't know. Well, then he began to leave messages. It was clear. He, at, at, my heart was broken. It was clear, not well. But he, get, he began to leave messages about how he was going to end my life and, and began to leave messages about... Um, he knew my address and where my family was at. When you face something like that, you feel this feeling of insecurity, uncompleteness, unsafety. What happened was I called chief, got some authorities, law enforcement involved. It was across state lines, so there was more. The, the team here said, hey, Dave, we're actually going to set up uh, guards, we're, we're, we're going to have your six. We're going to watch out over so you're safe, so you can stay on mission, and you'll know somebody's watching your six. Do you understand this is what God has done for you? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses comprehension, will guard your complete, your whole. And when you filter that information through the gospel truth of God's word, he gives you grace, everything that's his is yours, and he gives you peace, you're complete, you're whole. Your sin has been removed, your future is fantastic, so in the present, you've got peace and rest because God is for you. So that's how he filters it. And what you filter into your mind will form you. I need you to write this down. Information is formation. Information is formation. Whoever you're allowing to inform you is forming you inside. 
And I can guarantee you, if it's not the word of God, you're not getting grace and peace, yo. You're getting guilt and pressure or guilt and panic. Because in this world, news is no longer news. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. It's whose fault is it, who's to blame, who's to shame, and who do you hate? We call that news now. I actually took a class on journalism. That's not news. But that's what you're going to get in the world. Guilt, pressure, panic. Hey, southern border, it's open. It's the 49-year-old white guy's fault. Hate him. Blame him. Why? I don't know. But in this world, you will get guilt, pressure, and panic. In Christ, you will get grace and peace. Now watch. Somebody's got to pay for that grace and peace, though. You know it. It doesn't come for free. Watch. Uh, clear out. Go to verse Go to verse 4. I'm going to go 4, then 5, and 6. Who, who paid for that grace and peace? This is the centerpiece of the gospel. Paul can't even help it. Before he gets into preaching the gospel, he preaches the gospel. Before he talks about the good news, he's like, I've got it. Here is the centerpiece of the good news that God has given to you where grace and peace, wholeness comes from. He says, where did that grace and peace came from, come from? Jesus who gave himself prepositionally for what? Our sins. This is the gospel. Somebody's got to pay. Who paid? Jesus he gave himself for us. Now, the question I want to put before you is, how does the gospel form us? How does the gospel form us? The scriptures are very clear. It's not just a message. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, that the spirit of God comes to live in us and begins to transform us to look more like Jesus. How does that gospel form us? I'm going to put it in a big category just called love. It's huge. Now, we, we don't tend to see it here, but it pops out at us. He gave himself for us and our sin. Most of us have never been loved to that level. We struggle to love well, don't we, in relationships? To sacrifice self for the well-being of others is love, agape, and we struggle. We struggle in church, even to give up a parking place for somebody else, amen? Struggle on 281 to love other people when they're being jerk faces. We struggle to love well. So when we come to a gospel truth that God Almighty sent his son, that Jesus loves us and demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, it's tough to be loved at that level. It's overwhelming. Let me give you a physical example of this. I was reading a book, 13 Portraits of American Soldiers. The picture became very clear. The picture of the scriptures became very clear. This guy named Benjamin Olison, he was a SEAL. He was in Ramadi. He was up on a roof with two other team guys and three Iraqi soldiers. Now, Benjamin Olison was on Overwatch, which means he was sniper, and he was watching out over his team. Insurgents came in, and they overran their location. Benjamin Olison, as he recounted it, said it, it was... An absolute crazy time. He said, all I remember hearing was 
my brother Mikey yell out, grenade. He said, instantly, I turned around to see where the grenade was. As soon as I saw it, I realized Mikey was running towards it. Now, Mikey was the only one that had a clear path to escape. He could have jumped down a stairwell and survived. But Mikey dove on the grenade and hugged it like his life depended upon it. And he absorbed the full weight of the blast. As Benjamin is retelling the story, he said, it's been years since Mikey gave himself for us and chose us over himself. I now have a family. I owe that, I owe that family to Mikey. I, I now have a wife. And I owe that to Mikey. I now have three kids and I get to be a dad. And I owe that to Mikey because Mikey gave everything so that I might live. And in that moment, the gospel popped off, popped off the pages for me. You see, in Genesis 3, a grenade of sin was thrown into this world. We all deserve death. I deserve death. You deserve death. And there, that grenade was on a time clock. It was going to explode. Somebody had to die. Somebody had sinned. God is holy. God is righteous. Somebody's got to pay for that. And what God did, instead of us dying and being separated in hell for all eternity, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, born under the law. Jesus ran the gauntlet perfectly, lived without sin so that he could dive on that grenade of sin. He gave it all so that you might have all. He gave himself for us. That's love. And when you understand the gospel, it begins to transform you from the inside because you realize everything that I have, I owe to Jesus Christ. My life, my breath, my family, my well-being, Jesus has given it all to me. Benjamin would say, I can't bring Mikey back from the dead, but every day I remember him. Every day I remember him because everything I have, I owe to him. You see, everything we have, we owe to Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us. Uh, Not only that, um, watch what comes next. We're two minutes over, so let me just walk through um, verse. He gave himself so that he might rescue us. This is what the gospel does. Changes our future from hell to heaven. He rescues us from this present evil age according to the will of God, our God and Father. You see, God loves you. He sent his son, and in Christ, you're perfect and you're complete. This was not just Jesus' plan. God the Father sent the son. And when you pray to God through his son, God's delighted in you. Now, this is hard for some of us. We call it survivor's guilt. You ever heard clinically of the term survivor's guilt? When somebody's been through a traumatic thing and they survive, they actually feel guilty. I find in many Christians, there's this thing called survivor's guilt. Jesus gave it all and I should do more. I should be better. I should try harder. I should serve more, give more. Anybody there? We just call it modern. uh, uh, It's not Christianity. We call it moralism, moral therapeutic deism, whatever you want to call it. It's survivor's guilt as though God is angry that he had to give his son. It was God's will. He delighted to do it because he loves to love. 
He loves to give. It wasn't like the father said, oh, those wretches, oh, I'm so mad at them. And the son was like, oh, I guess I'll go, dad. Jesus came and everybody's mad and the spirit's like, well, okay, the father and the son sent me, so let's all be grumpy. God delights in repentance. He loves to forgive and he loves to love. It was his plan and his will. Now the foes, the enemies don't want you to think that. Watch, Paul's going to outline it. Go five, actually, I'm going to go five, six. To whom be the glory forevermore, amen. So I'm so sorry. I don't mean to skip that over because I can talk about eternity with you, but I'm already four and a half minutes over. And I've got, I've, I've, watch. The enemies, listen, there's moles here. There's enemies here. There's people who want to pervert, twist, distort the gospel. It is how you get control over someone else. You add, you subtract, you twist, you bedazzle, you bejewel the gospel, and you ruin it. Watch, I can guarantee you this is happening to some of you right now. Paul says, I am amazed, he's going to go through four Ds, maybe five Ds. I am amazed at how quickly you are, what? What the enemy wants to do is he wants to create degrees of distance between you and your Savior, Jesus Christ. When he talks about deserting, it's more just walking away, that you are, you've become distracted, you've looked at something else, and you're... The verb tense here is that it's perpetually going on, that the Galatians had started. It's easy to be distracted, isn't it? It happens in a heartbeat. Did I tell you I lost two kids at Disney World? Two of my kids. And it happens so quick. That's why we got Apple tags and put the Apple tags on them. The place is made to lose children. I mean, it legitimately is because you're walking and there's only two, my wife and I, and there's four kids. So we're playing zone. Like you're on zone defense there. And all of a sudden I look up and Brooke looks up and we look at each other and we're like, one, two, three, one, two, three. And Brooke says, where's Katie? It's our littlest, the little blonde haired, blue eyed, seven-year-old girl. She's gone. And I said, I don't know, baby. You were supposed to watch her. So I guilt shifted, <laughs> blamed. That's the flesh. Dads don't do that. And so we started the match. It happens in an instant. You just take your eyes off Jesus for a moment. The enemy loves to do this through condemnation. It's a sales tactic. It's a tactic that the enemy will use, and he'll whisper it in your ear. You know what you did, and you know Jesus doesn't love you. He can't really forgive you. You're dirty. You're disgusting, and he'll get you to look away. Um, It it happens all the time. So it starts with condemnation, trying to get you separated, separated from your Savior, separated from the saints. Because I was watching, it, it was Animal Planet. You ever watched Animal Planet? Watch. There's this whole herd of antelope. And antelope have horns. And they actually look like they could do some damage to a lion. But the lion does something. It stays low. And it'll wait for the weakest antelope. And then it'll separate that antelope from the rest of the pack. And it's astounding. As that lion attacks, the rest of the antelope oftentimes just sit there and watch when they could kill and decimate that lion. He wants you to desert. He wants, he wants distance between you and your Savior. Doesn't, he doesn't end there, though. 
He starts out with condemnation to get some distance between you and Jesus. And when you leave the gospel, you're not leaving a message. You're, you're leaving your master. You're deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a, then he'll give you a different gospel. He changes it a bit. He alters it a bit. Um, I, I've watched him do this in Christianity in America, even in the 20 years I've been preaching the gospel. It's, a, it's amazing because he almost just condescend, he's condescending. It's like, oh my goodness, yes. You, oh, you were saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. That's precious. Mm, that's sweet. Have you spoken in tongues? So what he'll do is he'll bring it from JV and say, yeah, but you're really not there yet. Oh, that's neat. You were saved by grace through faith in Christ. But, but have, you, have you been baptized? Hmm? Oh, no? Oh. Oh, you were sprinkled. Hmm. Mm-mm, baptizo. And you got to go deep. If you don't get the bends, it's not real. <laughs> Amen? You got to go deep. Oh, that's neat. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. You believe that Christ was crucified, Christ was buried, Christ was resurrected. That's good. But are you serving? Are you tithing? You, you see, what's ridiculous here is in the whole book of Galatians, do you know what the issue is? I didn't tell any of the other services about this. I don't know why I just came. I've probably got it. I've got it blocked out because Brooke told me, hey, you're not well. Don't preach today. You're going to cuss. You're going to get in all kinds of trouble. Do you know what the whole issue in the book of the Galatians is? Oh, you believe that Christ is the Messiah. He was crucified, buried, and resurrected. That's good. But you need to be anyone. You need to be circumcised. Now, if I were in your seats, I'd be like, you're kidding me. Like, the issue was the foreskin. Mm -hmm. But Dave, that's silly. Is it any more silly than what we add to the gospel? I don't think it is. You see, I can actually find that in the scriptures. It was the sign that God gave to Abraham of the covenant. We add stuff that's not even in there. Oh, that's neat. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. He was crucified, buried, resurrected. But how long's your skirt? How long's your hair? Do you wear makeup? Do you dress correctly? <laughs> All of these are rhetorical questions, but I love an interactive audience. You know, it's, it's helpful. I don't know if that comment was about the skirt or makeup, but you understand. We add stuff and we come up with a different gospel. To revise the gospel in any way is to reverse it, pervert it, and destroy it. Jesus plus anything loses everything. It is Christ and Christ alone. Christ dove on the grenade of sin. Christ Jesus became sin for you. Christ was buried. Christ defeated death. And there is a salvation that's available for us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And to add anything to that is to lose everything. Go verse seven. Which is not really another gospel. Only there are some who are trying to, see, and I would have translated it from the Greek, agitate. You have, how many of you have washing machines at home? Yeah, in the washing machine, you literally have what's called an agitator. 
That's the word we use here. Some come along and they just try to agitate you. It's astounding. This is why in my neighborhood, I live in San Antonio. In my neighborhood, we have a big sign, no soliciting. You're not supposed to solicit. But it doesn't matter almost every day. Yet, knock, 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 knock. Anybody get that? Anybody? The people come? And I get it. They're just trying. People are trying to make a living. I get it. I don't hate them. But I did get a new front door where I don't even have to open it anymore. I just open a little peephole, say, no, thank you. <laughs> because, right? Because it used to be when the doorbell rang, friends were, were over. And you would actually rejoice. Do you know anymore? The doorbell rings and it's like DEFCON 3. It's like, no, my wife, somebody's at the door, the kids. What do we do? And we'll yell, don't answer it. We've told our kids, never answer the door. Never answer the door because we don't know who it is. And they're there to agitate. They're agitators, they're disturbers. And they've got new sales tactics. Hey, we were. We were, we were just in the neighborhood. We were down talking to your neighbors, the Smithsonians. And that, they will, they'll throw, out, they'll throw out a name. Like, hey, and I'm, 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 I'm here. So this is all you see. Hey, we were just in the neighborhood talking to your Smithsonians neighbors. And they said, you might be interested. You see, they got, they got, a lot of people here only have 5G but we've got a new thing, 6G. We can just plug the ethernet into your head. The Smithsons have it plugged into their head. <laughs> They'll use, listen, to disturb you, here's what the enemy will use. Comparison to agitate you. Look, because everybody else, look, look around for a minute. Everybody, you guys look great. Everybody looks happy. You're smiling, Carl's smiling. He looks good. Shin, he's got a huge smile. I bet their marriage is great. Their family's great. They're fine. They're doing really well. What the enemy will do is he'll use comparison because you know you're not great. Therefore, the gospel isn't meeting your needs, is it? Oh, it's meeting the neighbor's needs. They've got 6G plugged in their head. They're great. Don't you want what the Smithsonian's have? And the enemy will use that to disturb you, to get you to desert, create some distance, to distract you from Jesus, and add a different gospel. Jesus paid it all. Jesus did it all. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose. And Jesus can give you eternal life. That doesn't mean life is going to be easy. It's still a struggle. It's called sanctification. So he says, they're disturbing you and want to, well, you got it right here. It's in my Bible. Say it out loud. Distort. They change the gospel. To, to add anything to the gospel message is to lose everything. Hillside, I'll, I'll land the plane with this. We won't get through. To add anything, to revise the gospel is to reverse the gospel. That's that word to pervert, distort. You see, what the enemy wants to do is put you at the center of the story. The enemy has a great theme. It's the same one Home Depot uses. You can do it. We can help. When it comes to the gospel message, you can't do it. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. You're hopeless. 
You're helpless, absolutely powerless. You can't do it. In fact, it's a lot like when my kids ask to wash dishes. Like, Dad, I can help. Not going to be helpful. <laughs> Amen? You'll break stuff. You'll put way too much soap. The gallon and a half of soap will be gone. There will be bubbles all over. It will take 10 times as long to clean up after my kids are done helping. <laughs> when it comes to salvation, you cannot help either. You see, this is the humility that the gospel requires, that we come with empty hands. And we come not because of anything good we have done. We come and we look at our hero, our Savior, our Master, our Lord, Jesus Christ, and we recognize that he threw himself on the grenade of sin. He laid down his life. He gave it all. He paid it all. And he loves to take our sin and give us his righteousness. Friends, when it comes to the gospel, we do not add anything. Jesus has done everything. And that's what we celebrate in the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. This is my blood, which I shed for you. As we celebrate, as the band comes up and as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, would you take time to assess and analyze your own heart? What merit of your own are you bringing? What good works are you bringing? We need to repent of our righteousness, of anything that we would add to the gospel. And we're going to celebrate Jesus, the one who gave it all, who paid it all, and who gives it all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this morning and the time to look at the purity and simplicity of devotion to your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray this morning, as we look and celebrate, Jesus, your death, your burial, your resurrection through the Lord's Supper, would you give grace to us now for those who are here who've never placed their faith in Jesus? They never even knew that you were a good, loving Father. And I pray this morning would be a morning of salvation as they bring their sin to you, Jesus, and re receive eternal life, new life from you. Father, I pray for those of us who do understand the gospel, who've deserted. There's some distance. We're upset with you. We're frustrated with you because you haven't obeyed our story. Would you give grace? Would you allow us to repent and return? But Father, I pray you're pleased now as we celebrate what you've done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen.